2: Want to say thank you to the Iowa pork producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa pork industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production, and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family-owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. one more beer for me. Exile means quality. So savagely. Podcast, Podcasts, Miller and Dace, coming to you on the, what is today, the third day of December, the day that college football announced its bowl lineup. Kind of just has a different feel to it now than it used to with the different system. I'm sure we'll delve into that just a little bit. Um, college football playoff teams announced Clemson number one, Oklahoma two, Georgia three, and Bama four. Uh, so we'll have, I um, well, maybe some interesting games, Georgia-Oklahoma, Alabama-Clemson. Steve, I'll let you kind of lead off with this, and then we'll just kind of evolve from – where you take us i know there are a number of conversations that we'll get to in this pursuant to the bulls and and other you know entangling aspects of that and then another podcast later this week we'll talk about coaches and and new jobs and and the whatnot including scott frost in nebraska but let's stick to the bulls right now what was your big takeaways from sunday what were your big takeaways from sunday
0: when i got home from church and uh, i recorded the uh ESPN selection special, so I didn't know what had happened, and I watched it in real time. And when I saw Alabama flash up there, I you,
2: was stunned. you. Let la- you laughed.
0: I laughed out loud, and I was stunned. Yes. <laughs> um, and watching Kirk Curb Street get up and walk off the set. No. Yes, that happened. Yeah, he walked off the set. Um, was it
2: posturing or a device, or did he like not come back?
0: No, he came back. Um. Here's what I think. I think that there's a lot of positives in what they did, and I think that people are trying to draw a huge conclusion out of this and, and precedents that are set, and and I don't think any of that is true. Um, I don't think it had anything to do with Ohio State having two losses. You know, I've heard this. Mean well, you know they should have played Mercer like Alabama did instead. I don't think it had anything to do with that because Auburn came into this week ranked number two, and if Auburn had won on Saturday in the rematch with Georgia, they'd be in the playoff right now. I don't think it had. Um, I don't. I don't believe in the narrative of losing to Iowa um, and by a blowout. I don't think that had much to do with it. Um, I think that uh, And man if I were recruiting against Iowa I'd tell you what I'd be I'd take That four hours of ESPN footage and show It to every recruit I was just Maybe I'm sensitive because you know my Favorite team hasn't beaten Iowa since 2006 you know So maybe I've just got too much respect For you guys but I just Was shocked watching this all day long Today and people made it sound like Losing to Iowa was you know Like um Uh, Getting sent to Siberia I I just I couldn't believe the way people were talking about that You know, this is a team that just two years ago At this time was six inches away From playing in the college football playoff I mean, last year They're the reason Michigan didn't make the playoff People are acting like this is some kind of Disgrace, I I guess if you want to say It's the margin they lost by fine But I don't think that's it I don't think it I don't think it comes down to anything other than um, it's Alabama. I don't think there's any great precedent set here. This isn't this isn't at like Ohio State last year when they got well. Ohio, this is like when Ohio State got there without winning the conference. No, it's not. Ohio State had three top ten wins last year, three, and two of them were pure road games at Wisconsin and at Oklahoma. Um, Alabama doesn't have any. In fact, this is the first time, and this is the fourth year of the playoff. It's the first time a, a team has made it in. Without any top ten wins or even a conference or division title, on top of that, this is by far the worst resume that's been put in the playoff, and it's not even close. I mean, their their best win is 17th ranked LSU in a game they got outgained by almost 100 yards. Their only loss, um, they lost by double digits, and really weren't competitive in that game the entire second half. I watched almost the whole thing, so I I really think it came down to. The only precedent being set is that Alabama, rightly or wrongly, and whether you like it, or I should say whether you like it or not, because I think they've earned it. I think that they have earned a perch that transcends the rest of this sport. And I think that the people on this committee, after what happened with Ohio State last year when they lost 31 to nothing to the very same Clemson team, that isn't as good as they were on offense last year, but is still pretty good. And they were pretty good on defense last year, but they're even better this year. And I, I think that, that the people on the committee, you know, it says the, um, unequivocally the best four teams, I think is what the actual wording says. And I think there was a sensitivity to if we put Ohio State in again and they can't deliver, and let's say we put Alabama in the Orange Bowl and they name the score on Miami, we're going to look like clowns. And I think we all know in our hearts, even though there's no data that t- t- sums this up, this is why you heard me say or saw me say on my Twitter account all weekend long, there is no intellectual case to make. Let me define that. What I mean is there is no objective data metric. You know, I don't know what the hell Clay Travis is writing. Alabama has three – Has Ohio State has three wins better than any Alabama has. Ohio State's the only team in the country that's in the top ten nationally – in scoring offense and scoring defense. If Wisconsin had won that game last night, they would have been in the playoff, not Alabama. They'd be undefeated. And looking back on it now, when we saw Alabama only fall to number 5, we probably should have taken that more literally than we did because it certainly sounded like during the television show on Tuesday that Kirby the the spokesperson for the committee – all but said Ohio State's going to leap them because of the emphasis they place on conference championships. I also thought they would never call the most powerful commissioner in college football and tell him your champ is staying home. Your league has four of the top 16 teams, has three teams in the New near six, but your undisputed champion is going to stay home, so we can send a, you know a team from the SEC with no with no top 10 wins. And no hardware, no resume. They have no resume. Well, they have the strongest overall overall strength of schedule. Well, Alabama's forty sixth, and Ohio State is fifty. Okay, so it's 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 that's minuscule. I thought that politically that would never ever happen, and I think the fact that it did actually speaks well for the future of the playoff. I think it does show that they are willing to take a chance on who they think are the four best teams. Right. And I think that's a good precedent to set going forward. In in my heart, I believe because I follow recruiting rankings, I watch games. I believe Alabama win healthy, and they'll probably be a healthy team by the time we get to January one. Alabama win healthy is a better team than Ohio State, but I don't think they're a much better team. Like I don't think Jalen Hurts and J T Barrett's a huge difference. They're kind of the same player. I think J K Dobbins and Mike Weber are pretty much Damian. Uh, or the two, you know, the two running backs? Uh, you know, they have, or four running backs they have at Alabama. I think their receivers are pretty even. I think Alabama, Ohio State's defensive line is better. Alabama's linebackers, when they're healthy, are better. Secondary is about even. So I don't think there's a huge difference. But I think Ohio State's the better team. Or I'm sorry, I think Alabama's the better team. And I just think they looked at the film and they looked at the recruiting rankings and they just said, you know, do we want to see thirty-one to nothing again this year? Um, and I think that. I think the the precedent is when you're as dominant as Alabama has been, you are judged by a different standard. And you know what? That's a meritocracy to me. I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with that. I don't. I really don't. And I know and I, and I know. I said last night I, that I thought there was no way Ohio State would get passed, but I hope that they do because then I would laugh. And, you know, when I went to bed last night, I kind of doubted that, you know, would the Big Ten guy in me get really pissed if they did get left out? And so when I came home and I saw they were left out, I burst out laughing, and I realized that the last few years of watching this league, from its official officials to its television network, essentially become the Buckeye Ten promotional uh, platform. They've kind of, you know, I used to describe myself as a Big Ten shield. they they've, they've kind of just taken all that away. I, I really don't care. Um, now I will say this: I heard Jim Delaney's interview. Uh, I watched it on ESPN today. I, I thought it was incredibly impressive. It was one of the one of the few displays of adult behavior and leadership we see in, in many facets of the culture nowadays. He even said, I'm not going to buy into this trend uh, like we see in other parts of our, including politics. If I don't get the outcome I want, then I just try and reverse engineer the rules. He said, I'm not going to do that. I still believe, I respect the committee. I think they made the wrong decision. I don't think we need to expand to eight teams because my teams didn't get in. I'm not going to lead some kind of battle cry for that. And he was also very sober and mature in how we explained it. I thought Urban Meyer handled it in a very very distinguished fashion as well. Um, But um, I do think they picked the four best teams. I don't think they picked the four most deserving teams. And I think this is the first time that they didn't do this on resume purely. I think this is the first time they did this as a projection. You know, like when you're, when, you're, when you're scouting for the NFL draft, you project how you think players will play at your level, but right. you don't know until they do. And I think this is the first time that they did that. I don't think it was losing by 31 to Iowa that hurt Ohio State. I think it was losing, or 32, I think it was losing by 30 to Iowa and losing by 31 to this same Clemson team last year together. And in the end, they said, we're not confident that these are the four best teams and this isn't the BCS anymore, and we have a committee to make these human element judgment calls, and we're going to make them. And whether you agree with that or not, I thought that was a really ballsy call, and I give them credit for that.
2: I've I've got no problem with them taking Alabama over Ohio State because, like you, and I don't watch um, as many minutes of Alabama football as you do, but I just I can't sit here and say that I think Ohio State's a better football team than Alabama. And Alabama lost at Auburn by, what was it, 12 points? Yes. And Alabama has been the class of the sport for going on nearly a decade. And they have continued to recruit at the same level, which is a level better than anybody else, for the last five to six to seven years. So... I have no problem with the committee putting Alabama in if their basis is they think Alabama is one of the four best teams, and probably I would go the same way too if I were not um, handcuffed by either stated provisions or historical, ceremonial, or nostalgic provisions of oh well, you got to you got to take a, a conference champion. No, they've said from the out, out outset. That they are looking to put the four best teams in this playoff, and I don't think we need eight. I'm fine with four, and I think I think they put the four best teams in this playoff. And yeah, Wisconsin had to go 13 and 0. By the way, Iowa fans, if Iowa's ever going to get in this thing, they're going to have to go 13 and 0. 12 and 1 just probably isn't going to get it done. And that's just the reality of it. Now, I didn't, I didn't see or hear, I didn't hear, rather, the, you know, however many hour-long references there were to Iowa and making it sound oh, like... Oh, gosh,
0: John, it was bad. I mean, it went on for four hours on
2: ESPN. But uh, listen, Iowa was a 7-5 and five team. The last 10 years, Iowa was like top 30, you know, top 25, maybe 23rd amongst Power 5 teams in winning percentages. The last ten years, and it wasn't a great ten-year run for Iowa. Iowa is a solid program, but Iowa doesn't get invited to the blue-blood parties. They're not one of the twenty or twenty-five or thirty-five winningest programs of all time. They're Iowa, and I know some. Of that's going to really irritate some of you, and that's okay. You, you don't have to like it. I'm just talking about what I see as it relates to reality. It is what it is whether you like it or not so when you lose by 31 points to a seven and five iowa team this year who in six of their big 10 games i don't know that iowa cracked a 20 point offensive barrier and it was one of the most it it, it was it was one of the i don't know if kirk's been there 19 years now it's probably one of the five or six worst (laughs) offensive teams he's had I mean, okay, don't lose by 31 at Iowa when they're 7-5. and five, And they can't score on anybody else except for you and Nebraska. Don't do that. And does it suck that Iowa was used as a device and maybe a little bit of a punching bag? Sure. I'm glad I didn't watch it. And maybe if I would have watched it and seen all those body blows, I might have got ticked off a little bit more. But I'm trying to just be... I, you know, I use the term, when you use the term realist, pessimist, or optimist, it always just depends on you and your opinion of your own self. So you're never, you know, you're never out of, out there on a limb when it's your opinion. But I'm trying to look at this, you know, as objectively as I can. You lost by 31 at Iowa, and you lost by 15 at home to Oklahoma. And yeah, Alabama didn't play a great schedule, and they lost by 12 in the Iron Bowl. That was their one loss. Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt because they've never been beaten fifty-five to twenty-four on the road, unless memory serves me incorrectly. In the Saban era, or at least the last five years, am I missing something? No, they've actually
0: won seventy-one straight against non-conference opponents, or I'm sorry, against unranked opponents. Okay, so that
2: so that's never happened to Nick Saban in this iteration of Alabama football. Hasn't happened. Probably hasn't happened to too many really really good teams really really great programs wonder if it's happened to clemson in a while last time they lost by 30 to an unranked team or oklahoma or georgia or was i mean it, okay i'm fine with it i'm fine with it and i would rather them put who they believe the four best teams are as long as we have faith that the people on that committee should be on that committee and until we don't I'm good with it. I don't like the notion, well, you have to win your conference championship, otherwise you shouldn't be in. Sorry, I don't buy it. Because that's not, in my opinion, to use your term earlier, a meritocracy. If we set the rules to be the best four, then we shouldn't have any codicils or asterisks that say best four, but also must be a conference champion. If that's the way you want it, then draw it up that way in the rules. I'm fine with what they did.
0: Yeah, the argument that I don't understand that occurred all week was, boy, you know Alabama's got a thin resume. Iowa crushed Ohio State. I don't know who I don't know who you put as your fourth team, but let's expand the playoff to eight. I just heard that,
2: dumb, dumb, lazy. From, I heard
0: that from Danny Cannell and a bunch of people on Sirius XM all week long. I saw it on television all week long. I wonder, you know, one of the things that really bothered me this week. Watching the coverage of this, and I'm I'm seeing, I'm I'm seeing what what is ruining my day career, is spilling over into the sports world now. And it, it's it's the media culture. It's not media bias. I I'd say this about news media too. You know, Tim Russer, the late great Tim Russer, God rest his soul, worked for. Mario freaking Cuomo, man. You don't get more liberal than that. But I watched and paid attention to everything he said. I watched every interview he did because he was a professional. I I knew what his viewpoint was, but I also knew he wasn't going to put up with any any horseplay. He wasn't going to let you get away with propaganda, talking points. He was going to call you on your stuff. That level of professionalism is sorely lacking from the regular media in my day job. And what I've watched the last week or so in sports media is a very similar phenomenon. It's the Nebraskaization of sports media.
2: Mm, do tell.
0: And I told you several years ago when ESPN got this contract, I was very concerned. Remember me saying this on this podcast. I was very concerned about the precedent being set that the same entity with a financial incentive in carrying the games was also the primary information um, expositor covering the games. Well, it goes even beyond that. I mean, let me give you several examples. People I like, by the way. All these people I'm citing, I like and I think they do good work. And so I, I don't know that it's intentional as much as maybe it is the expect the corporate culture expectation of what's expected of you. I corrected – I called out Tony Barnhart, maybe the greatest college football writer of our era, of Mr. College Football from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I think he's now with the land of ten franchises that they're starting up. Yeah, and they're
2: 30. owned by the, that company.
0: Okay. Tony Barnhart, by the way, you should be following him. He's Great. Great. I don't miss any interviews he does on SiriusXM. XM. If I miss him, I go back on demand and listen to him at night. Don't miss anything the guy does. But I caught him today on Twitter tweeting out a graphic comparing Ohio State and Alabama's resumes. That was totally misleading and I called him on it. He didn't point out, you know, he didn't point out that Al- that Ohio State had three wins better than any Ohio that Alabama had. Didn't point that out. Yesterday CBS during the SEC championship, Gary Danielson, who's also an excellent analyst. I think and it, it does a great job. And Gary Danielson they ran ran a graphic he was talking about while, while he was bobbing for Alabama during the game yesterday. Ran a graphic that um, tried to make, and the way they defined it was a record against the uh, top 40 or something. And, and to show that, well, there's really no difference between Ohio State and Alabama, and Alabama didn't lose to Iowa, and they only has one loss. Again, not pointing out that what's more important your record against teams that were six and six or seven and five or your record against teams currently ranked in the top 10 I, I mean i gotta think at some point okay you lost by 32 to iowa i get that i wonder if beating michigan state ranked 16th in the country by 45 do you think that might cancel that out maybe hmm. is that the most lopsided win against a ranked opponent anybody in college football has this season it's got to be pretty damn close Okay. Nobody ever brings that up for Ohio State. By the way, don't I'm in I don't like being in the position of defending Ohio State. Trust me. I'm giddy that they I'm I am i am bathing in 8 months of their tears. I just want to make sure the that we're critically thinking here. Joel Klatt of, of of Fox, who I think might if he hasn't surpassed Herb Street as the as not just the best looking but the best overall analyst in college football, he's close, man. He's the next Herb Street.
2: He's really good on TV and his broadcast. He, I like him.
0: Yeah, he's out there on Twitter saying this, basically calling the committee a star chamber and it's corrupt. Now, what do all he, he, these sa-
2: he said? "Quote: The playoff committee is dishonest inaccurate and unreliable, which puts long-term health of playoff at risk."
0: Yeah, a star chamber and corrupt. That's basically what he called them. Now, what do these three things have in common? Well, Tony Barnhart,
2: yeah, and Mr. Know, SEC,
0: yeah. Gary Danielson works for the SEC Network. Um. You, uh, uh, Joel Klatt Fox is the Big Ten's corporate partner. They own
2: forty nine percent now. of the Big yes. Ten network.
0: Then, then, then I could just follow follow the ESPN broadcasters. Peter Burns of the SEC network was basically, on, uh, you know, using every platform he had on social media at all, but call Ohio State the junior varsity. Um, uh, you know, the the amount of lobbying, the amount of lobbying that went on, on ESPN. And then and and when I when I turned it off last night is essentially all of their people are basically saying, well, we think Alabama deserves to be in, but we know it's going to be Ohio State. And that basically told me they knew the writing was on the wall and they were going to stop politicking and move on. I'm very uncomfortable with this, very uncomfortable with this. I'm fine if the committee just says, you know what, we got a half, you know, several ex-coaches on our committee they broke down the film and we asked him point blank you know what you tell us who would you least like to play and they all said to a man ohio they'd least like to play alabama and and what they ought to do is release how everybody votes the very last week just the last week so everybody knows and everybody's on the record and there's some transparency and account and more accountability where that's concerned but beyond that I don't think they did anything really bad here. I don't see a. I don't see a whole strain of inconsistency in their rankings one through twenty-five. Frankly, I think the conversation. I think having Ohio State jumping two Big Twelve teams in twenty fourteen. Go back to that. People forget there was a freaking meltdown, a conspiracy meltdown over that, and then then it just went away in a few weeks when Ohio State won the cotton picking thing, and nobody nobody's ever said a word about it right. ever since. But at that time, there were freaking meltdowns. Because Baylor and TCU had had routed their their last two opponents or their last opponents of that very same week as well. All right? Well, they only got in because they're Ohio State and they're a bigger TV draw than TCU and Baylor. That's what every everybody was saying that three years ago, and then that all went away when Ohio State won. I think this is far less controversial than that. I, I think this actually bucks politics. Bucks the way we normally do things Takes away the East German judge Factor of, of college football That we've dealt with most of our lives And it's made for fun debate and everything else I think they eliminated all of that Because that's why I was so confident That it would be Ohio State Because they'd done everything necessary To win that sort of, of, of Style Of vote in the past And I still believe that if, if LSU, you pick another Big brand in the SEC If LSU had the same resume as Alabama, Ohio State's in this playoff. I think this was nothing but a roll tide factor. I think this was nothing other than, are we really going to sit here and say, when we all know it's not true? Alabama is not one of the four best teams, and we're going to have them go beat Miami 40-10 to 10 in the Orange Bowl and look like a bunch of clowns. Are we really going to say that? No? Then we're putting them in. It ain't TV draw. Ohio State gets every bit, if not more, television ratings than Alabama does. I really just think it came down to they just, in the in the end, couldn't bring themselves to say the team they had ranked one or two the entire playoff until this past week that has won five national titles in nine years and is on the most dominant run in the history of the sport. Really, wasn't one of the four best teams. I think that's the only precedent that was set here. I would not draw any distinctions about go play nobodies. Well, ask TCU and Baylor how that worked out for them playing nobodies in the non-conference. I wouldn't say, well, it does. I guess you don't have to even win your own conference. Uh, uh, you know, and, and you and, and you can be like Ohio State. To, you know, last year Ohio State beat three top ten teams. You know, I, I think there's nothing more than that. In fact, you know what I think? I, I made this analogy to you last week. Alabama is more like 2015 Ohio State. That was probably Urban's most talented team. Had that crazy loss to Michigan State in the rain, and then got left out. Well, remember what happened when Michigan State was went to the playoff after winning the Big Ten? What was the score of that game against Alabama on New Year's Eve? I remember it because I watched it down to the last minute, laughing my ass off. Thirty-eight nothing was the score. Do you think that if that committee in 2015 had put that Ohio State team in, instead of Michigan State, John, do you believe the score was 38 nothing? Nope. with A? No, nope. no way. No way. I think that's what it is. I think they just looked at it and said, we know, we know they're yeah. one of the four. Let,
2: yeah. Let's not lie to ourselves. Let, let's, not, let's not factor in the word deserving anymore. Let's not even consider deserving anymore. If the committee made, in my opinion, here's the biggest mistake the committee made, is dropping Alabama from first to what they go, fifth after losing to Auburn. Yep. That's, yep. That, that, that's their biggest mistake. Drop them to third. Drop them to fourth. Well, what about undefeated Wisconsin? Well, you can say, you know what? We don't still believe that Wisconsin's one of the best four teams. We have questions about their schedule. But if they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, those questions will be answered. And mm-hmm. there it is. It's set up for you because you know one of Georgia or Auburn is going to lose. And then you don't have to worry about that. You've already got Bama in. And if Wisconsin beats, if Wisconsin had beaten Ohio State, Wisconsin had been in. Well, Ohio State beat Wisconsin. If they would have just dropped Bama to third or fourth, they wouldn't have had any issues.
0: Agreed. And and in fairness to them, I think by dropping them to fit, they kind of told us that. Now, I think the reason we didn't we didn't take that lead is because this happened last year. Remember, Michigan was number two when they went into Iowa City. They lost. They dropped to number three. Right? Okay. They then two weeks later, they lose to Ohio State in double overtime. They only dropped to number five, and they're ahead of Washington. Right? And I mm-hmm. think it, we all thought it was the same situation as last year. Okay. And then at the end of the year, we get to the very last week, Washington wins the Pac-12, and they jump Michigan, and we all move on. I, and I just think that what we're going to what we're gonna have to do, if, if we do make any sweeping statements beyond Roll Tide, that this was the Roll Tide factor, then I do think we're going to have to recognize that this thing is too much in its infancy. You know, we've had, we've had a 64-team tournament with selection committees meeting in college basketball since 1985, that's going on, you know, over 30 years now. We've had the RPI's formula publicly revealed and um, and disclosed since 1993. That's going on 25 years now, and so. When we look back and we, every March, when you and I do our bubble shows, you know, and Iowa's been on the bubble a lot, and Iowa State's been on the bubble a lot during the time you and I have been doing these podcasts or broadcasts, you know, we always talk about, hey, you know what, every year different committees change, and some value how you play your last 10 games more than others, and some value how you finish your conference more than others. But the one thing that's been consistent is um, your non conference schedule who you played and when you didn't have to play anybody and where you played them. Right. We've seen that consistently valued over the course of time, even with the turnover on the committee. And so we can bank on that when we've talked when I've talked about, Hey, the one thing that's been consistent so far is that, is that uh, good wins have outweighed bad losses. Well, yeah, that's been consistent that far. This is only year four. We don't have a trend. I think we all need to recognize that this is—we're th- small we're sample size. Yes, we're essentially let's let's pretend this is nineteen eighty nine, with social media and the internet and everything else, and we're and we're drawing long range extrapolations, trends about what the NCAA tournament selection committee is going to do when we only had four years of a sixty four team field. You know what I am trying to say with that analogy? Okay, I think I think for the next few years. At least we're going to have to take a look at this and look at each year as its own individual enterprise before saying, uh, well, conference championships don't matter anymore. Uh, Well, uh, you know, uh, who you who who you play in the non-conference doesn't matter anymore. Well, um, you know, I I guess you're if you're Alabama, you just get in. I, I, I think. We're somewhat guilty of our own self-fulfilling prophecies. And I'm, I'm mentioning myself in here when I say this, in that because the sample size, as you just said, is so small, it is dangerous to be drawing conclusions going about the, the past being prologue and setting precedents and what those precedents you think may mean for the future. I think that's all still being figured out. I think if another team without any top 10 team, top 10 wins— and without even winning their own division on top of that, not named Alabama for the foreseeable future, believes that's a route to getting them into the playoff, I think they're freaking crazy. Don't do that. On the other hand, though, I'm looking at Michigan's schedule as a Michigan fan in a few years, where Harbaugh wants to play, I think it's Washington and Virginia Tech in the same non-conference with nine Big Ten games. I'm asking myself, "Uh, that's dumb. Don't do that either. Okay? play florida state and then play mercer and fresno state like what alabama did if you know what i'm trying to say okay um i i think that there's some a common sense factor there but i think we would all be very wise to pump the brakes on drawing huge conclusions about a process that's only four years old and we're we're blazing the trail as we speak without really a blueprint we have an outline you know, here's the things we're looking for, but we have this human committee in order to fill in the blanks. And so I just think we all need to pump the brakes on what this means in the future, other than there were enough blemishes on Ohio State's record that everybody in that room at the end just looked at themselves and said, are we really going to say Alabama is not one of the four best teams when we all know they are, and that's why they did what they did, because Alabama has earned that transcendence that's, we, we, for the first time in our lifetimes we actually have a real meritocracy in college football. And now it will be fascinating to see if they can sustain it, and if so, how they go about applying it in the future.
2: Indeed. Um, Let's go to the Big Ten Bowls. So the Big Ten not getting the team in the playoff uh, had a ripple effect down the line on the Big Ten Bowls you will see, let me get down here to the bottom, uh, January 1, the only Big Ten team on Jan in a January Bowl game this year is Michigan. They are playing against South Carolina in the Outback Bowl, uh, and the Outback Bowl gets Michigan instead of Michigan State, and to which um, Mark D'Antonio, Michigan State's head coach, had a funny quote, uh, this tweet from Graham Couch A beat writer up there In the state of Michigan D'Antonio on Michigan being chosen ahead of Michigan State For the Outback Bowl quote, The records are what they are I'll just continue to focus on beating Michigan End quote uh, <laughs> Several Michigan State fans Are calling for an, uh, A boycott of Outback Steakhouses, I've seen a number of those tweets So Michigan gets to go To the Outback Since Wisconsin is was selected to play in the Orange Bowl, and they'll play against Miami. Uh, I'm sorry. No, uh, wait, who's going to? You're right. You're right. Okay,
0: Wisconsin's in the Orange Bowl. That's right.
2: Correct. I, I looked. Yeah, Wisconsin's in the Orange Bowl against Miami. That means there is no Citrus Bowl selection this year for the Big Ten. So Citrus that's, Bowl's
0: got a game though with Notre Dame and LSU. That's a nice game for them.
2: It is. It is. So yeah. Wisconsin, Miami, in the Orange Bowl. Michigan, South Carolina, in the Outback Bowl, and Ohio State against USC in the Cotton Bowl, which is played on Friday. December the 29th, and then Northwestern will play in the Music City Bowl Gosh, who's in the Holiday Bowl? I must have totally missed that one Michigan,
0: Michigan, State's, Michigan against State's in Washington the Holiday State Bowl State in the holiday. Yeah. Penn State and Washington in the Fiesta Bowl
2: mm-hmm. And then we have Iowa against Boston College in the Pinstripe Bowl which, unless there are a lot of Iowa alums living in the New York City metro area has a chance to be one of the worst attended Iowa Bowl games, in my opinion, um, in this new era. I don't think there's any doubt about that.
1: The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you, Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers—whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to HeartlandFlags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere, guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at HeartlandFlags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at HeartlandFlags.com, where you'll never. pay for shipping
0: And is it purdue against uh
2: arizona in the
0: foster farms in the foster farms well let's go through these really quick we'll start with the outback bowl Uh, as a michigan fan we could not have asked for a better situation um we we get a huge audience on new year's day leading into the college football playoff with that bowl and the beauty of it is without there being a big 10 team in there we don't have to hear the, uh, you know, we're the warm up act for Ohio State. We're the only Big Ten team. Uh, we get a very beatable opponent in South Carolina. Um, I'd be like, remember, I told you last year at this time, I was very concerned about where Michigan was at motivationally in their bowl game. And I'd pick against them, and I did, and I was right. This situation is the exact opposite. I would be very disappointed if Michigan, short of John O'Corn playing most of that game because Brandon Peters gets hurt. There's no way Michigan should lose that game. I've seen South Carolina play a lot this year. They're basically the University of Florida with with better quarterback play. Michigan physically is better than them on both sides of the football. They should win the game, and that's a nice spot for them. And, um, you know, for Michigan State, I get, you know, I get that technically Michigan got a better slot. I've never seen a group of people more pissed off about going to San Diego for Christmas my entire life you know you were three and nine last year get over yourselves they don't I care about you're...
2: that they they care that you got over on them up in the PR well, world
0: I actually think their head coach had the, had, you know you know I think about him on a personal level man but hate the game not the player that's that's troll game user achievement unlocked magnificence dropping that shade okay um, so you know the, the beauty of it is out of both both schools got bulletin board material for next year's game if you don't think that Arbaugh is not playing that clip, you're crazy. And if you don't think that D'Antonio is not playing the chip on the shoulder, you're nuts. So they both got what they wanted out of it, so it's great. And they both got beatable opponents. You have to wonder where Washington State is at when their head coach is openly politicking for another job. Um, and, you know, Michigan State has a very good defense. And yeah, Washington State likes to throw the football around, but remember, they just lost to Minnesota in that same game last year when they were a huge favorite against them that was one of the biggest upsets of the bulls season and minnesota had all those guys caught up in the title IX investigation and suspended for the bowl and they weren't even going to play remember all that they ended up winning the cotton picking game and you know the the thing is luke fox a statue back there and that's the kind of quarterback that a defense like michigan state's matches up well with so I, I, that's a, that's a definitely a winnable game for Michigan state. Michigan should beat South Carolina. When you go to the new year six games, uh, I think Penn state is a tough matchup for Wisconsin or I'm sorry for Washington. I think Washington's defensive front is really good. They're secondary. Those nowhere near as good as it was a year ago with all those guys in the NFL now and Penn state spreads you out. Um, and I think Penn state's defense is underrated. Washington's offense isn't as explosive it was as it was a year ago either. I think Penn State can win that football game. I think Ohio State is better than USC, but I think I think Ohio State is much like Michigan a year ago. I would really worry about their motivational factor. Um, well, Steve, you know they were and everybody worried about that in 2015, and they went out and smoked Notre Dame. Well, first of all, I think USC this year with Sam Darnold is better than that Notre Dame team was, but secondly. And that Ohio State team had Ezekiel Elliott. This one does not. But, but that Ohio State team knew the last two weeks of the year they weren't going to be in the playoff. They knew it once they lost to Michigan State. And they got over their lack of motivation when they went and played us the very next week at the Big House and they boat raced us. Ohio State, this team, this year's team, just got the ultimate playoff crusher. And they already won a Big Ten championship. I think that's a really tough mo- – a- a Sa- I'm sorry, Urban Meyer has this work cut out for him. And, you know, we've seen this before, by the way, with Nick Saban teams when they don't show up for these games that aren't national championship implications. So Utah? In the like Utah, um, Nick Saban. Remember they got beat by Oklahoma a few years ago in the Sugar Bowl. They did, with, yeah. You know, with Trevor Knight at quarterback. Okay, so I, I-, I think that that's a game that if I were handicapping it, I would not – Ohio State is better than USC, but not so much better that if they're not motivated, um, there's no way they'll win. I, I think that's a tough game to handicap. I don't know where they're at mentally. Wisconsin, I think, has a terrible matchup. Miami's coming back home for a pure home game. They have been lights out, unbeatable, unstoppable at home all year. You know they will have the crowd, even though Wisconsin travels well. They will have they, That will be a Miami home crowd in that game. Uh, it won't be like it was with Notre Dame there a few weeks ago, or Virginia Tech, but it's going to be more of a home crowd than we're going to see in any bowl game this year. Um, and when you talk about the team leading the country in turnovers forced against Alex Hornybrook. Oh, my triads,
2: gosh. Oh, my gosh. I just hurt my head thinking about that.
0: I think that's a terrible matchup for Wisconsin. I mean, they, should just ha- they
2: should just hand out turnover change to the first 10,000 people I- that come in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alex, Hornibrook turnover chain bobbleheads. I, think that's a, I just think that's a really bad matchup. <laughs> oh man, we should, I, a I really wish we could bad draw matchup for the Big Ten. The other games, <laughs> Alex I think, I think,
2: Brook, turnover <laughs> chain bobbleheads.
0: <laughs> I, I think Arizona's a really bad matchup for Purdue, and I think whoever was going to draw was ever going to draw was ever going to draw them in the Big Ten. I was just praying, please, I don't care who we play in a bowl game, just don't let it be Rich Rod with his Pat White. Rich Rod has his Pat White. And I I, I think Purdue has no chance in that game, no chance whatsoever. Um, Iowa-BC is two teams with mirror images. Now, BC has put up some huge point totals in recent weeks, but their offense is really predicated on a freshman tailback, A.J. Dillon, who was once a Michigan commit. And then switch to Boston College, but he's a workhorse man. They'll give him the ball 30, 40 times a game. Steve Adazio is an old school kind of, you know, um, Big Ten style coach, like a Kirk Curb Street, I'm sorry, like a Kirk Um Scott Loeffler is their offensive coordinator. He came from Michigan. He was there in the Lloyd Carr era. So you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a mirror image of yourself. Well,
2: and their defensive coordinator, Jim Reed, was I was linebacker's coach until two years ago.
0: Yeah, and of course, he replaced two. Don Brown. So between looking at Don Brown and Scott Loeffler and given Ference's longevity at Iowa, you all should be very familiar with what you're going to see at a B.C. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll be just dis- listen. I've been to New York several times in recent years because of what I do for a living now. And I went there. The last time I was there was this spring, and I took Amy with me for the first time, and we spent a week there. Um, I had a speaking engagement, and then we stayed another several days and celebrated our twentieth wedding anniversary. And you don't want to know how much money we spent. Okay, it's an expensive trip, but I'm going to tell you if you are, if you're listening right now, and I don't, I don't know if you guys are doing one or not. Are you guys going to do a bull trip there or not? No. Okay. Well, I was going to, I was going to pimp for you, but I'll do it anyway. If you are an Iowa fan and you've never been to New York City, this is an excellent excuse to go. It it is, it is a great place to go. It's a great city. Playing at, playing at Yankee Stadium. There's worse fates than that. Now I know it's not cheap, man. I get that. But if if you can afford it and you're mulling it over, I would suggest just to say you've done it. Particularly, I've never been at Christmas time. And you're and, and this is this is that this is Christmas time. I, I just I think it's a great not like I, I'd suggest no one goes to Washington, D.C., unless it's for a field trip or um, you're getting bribed. But uh, New York City, I mean, it, it, it has its sketchiness and its shadiness. But in and around that is just some really incredible culture and and things to do and things to see that are true Americana. And I'd hate to see Iowa fans that have the wherewithal to manage it. I'd hate to see him pass
2: that up. This is this is strictly my opinion. This is not advice. This is not a uh, reverse endorsement. This is just me. If I were in a, I'm not I'm not going to the bowl game. But if I was considering it, and even if I had the money, I might consider saving it for next year. But that's just me. Um. I just, I don't think there'll be a lot of out of towners making this trip. That's just my opinion. And it's not, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how passionate Boston college fans are about their football team, but I would imagine there's probably a lot of Boston college alums in the area. So, uh, I was probably going to be looking at a, um, a deficit in the stands, but it that's is a small, is. that's
0: a small Catholic school though. They don't have a huge fan base. Keep that in mind.
2: Okay. Okay. You know, any other Big Ten bowls that we made that you want to talk Northwestern
0: about? Northwestern and Kentucky is yeah. that the Music City? Yep. I would, I would, I think that's a really favorable matchup for Northwestern.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: so last year I didn't like a lot of the matchups for the Big Ten. I think the only matchup that I think, um, or there's two, that I, 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 think the Big Ten is going to take it is could could get a, a thick ankle look. Is what I said before the turnover prone, horny Brook against. Miami's turnover chain in a, 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 a ferritable home game for Miami. And and Purdue, it, it's a great accomplishment getting there. And your reward is, you get to help compile Khalil Tate's 2018 uh, Heisman tape hype for next year. Good luck with that. But I think the Big Ten, depending on where Ohio State's motivational level is at, could very well win the rest of their bowl games and have a dramatically better Postseason showing than what they had, what they what they had a year ago.
2: Purdue's reward is they still have their head coach, and we will talk about those aspects in our next podcast, including Scott Frost's hiring at Nebraska and a big shocker. He won the press conference. Although I will say, um, when we do talk about this in the next podcast, I'm going to put aside the massingill and just call this one straight and put my uh, Husker disdain aside uh, because it was, there were some cool moments from that. If you're uh, a, f- a fan of college football history, um, I'll enjoy talking about that in the next podcast as well as uh, checking in with Steve on the uh, Tennessee Derp-O-Meter um, and their new athletic director. <laughs> that will be a fun conversation. We'll do that coming up uh, in the next day or so. For Steve, I'm John. Thanks for listening.